the title of the series is All Joy and No Fun. All Joy and No Fun. For those of you that are parents, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, you, parenting is not always that much fun, uh, but there's joy attached to it. And there's different seasons that we all go through, not just in parenting, where there's joy attached to it, but it's not necessarily fun. What's the difference between joy and fun? Fun is exciting. Fun is when the endorphins are rushing through your body. Um, joy, on the other hand, is when there's this sense of fulfillment and purpose uh, that just is so rewarding that's on the inside of you. And you can have joy even though you may not be having fun. And uh, Jesus experienced that entire process. He, he had this season after season, but especially the last few seasons, it was not fun knowing that he was going to be crucified in front of everyone, ridiculed in front of everyone, but there was joy attached to it. So we're just going to unpack it. We're going to unpack it over the next few weeks. Specifically today, uh, we're going to unpack when people disappoint you. Because one of the 12 disciples that Jesus had, one of them disappointed him so royally that he actually turned him over for a bag of silver. It's incredibly disappointing. And oftentimes, very often, people disappoint us. Uh, our spouses disappoint us. Um, our parents disappoint us, our kids disappoint us, our bosses, our work disappoints us. More than, I, I don't have a statistic for this, but let's just play safe. More than half of the disappointments that we experience, and I'm sure it's way more than more than half, but just to play uh, within a, a reasonable statistic um, uh, universe, more than half of the disappointments that we experience is caused by someone inflicting disappointment on us how do we respond when we're in the middle of disappointment but yet we want to feel a sense of fulfillment and purpose and joy at the same time you don't want to be stuck in this season of well when this is over then I'll start being fulfilled in my life because there's always some type of disappointment taking place. People surprise us. Are you with me? Uh, I read this recently that um, at this zoo, huge zoo, uh, an orangutan died. It was really sad. Um, but there was a guy that read about the orangutan dying and um, he went to the zoo and said, look, your orangutan has died. I'm a gymnast. Um, I don't have a job. You don't have an orangutan. Let me put an orangutan outfit on. I'll act like an orangutan and I'll have a job and you'll have an orangutan. Oddly enough, they said yes. So he goes home and practices all of his orangutan sounds or, or whatever it is. Got used to eating bananas and all this kind of stuff. Jumping around, doing flips, wow, 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 flipping around. He looked up. I couldn't believe I, I read this. He looked up. He saw this rope, and he realized that he could swing over the lion's den and then back. So he he flips his way up to this rope, 
He's swinging back and forth over this lion's den. The rope snaps. He falls in the lion's den. Looks at the lion. <laughs> yells out, help me somebody. The moment he yelled, help me somebody. He heard this woman's voice. Shut up or we're both going to get fired. <laughs> People surprise us. People surprise us. And oftentimes surprising is fine just as long as it doesn't disappoint us. Um, when you get home, I want you to read the scene in, in John chapter 13 where Judas disappointed Jesus at the very last supper. The reason why I want you to read it when you get home is we're not going to read it right here. Uh, instead, I'm going to show you the scene on video. Why don't you take a look at this? After Jesus had said this, he was deeply troubled and declared openly, I am telling you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. The disciples looked at one another, completely puzzled about whom he meant. One of the disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was sitting next to Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him. Ask him whom he is talking about. So that disciple moved closer to Jesus' side. Who is it, Lord? Dip some bread in the sauce and give it to him. He is the man. So he took a piece of bread, dipped it, and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Hurry. And do what you must. None of the others at the table understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas was in charge of the money bag, some of the disciples thought that Jesus had told him to go and buy what they needed for the festival, or to give something to the poor. Judas accepted the bread and went out at once. It was night. After Judas had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man's glory is revealed. Now God's glory is revealed through him. And if God's glory is revealed through him, then God will reveal the glory of the Son of Man in himself. And he will do so at once. Let's begin to unpack this. I'm going to give you three points today in a short amount of time, three or four hours, and uh, I believe it's going to help you. Um, in John chapter 13, um, Jesus says this, the one that I'm about to serve is the one that's about to betray me. The person 
one of the persons, one of the people that was sitting with him having dinner was one of the guys that was about to betray him. He's sitting there. He's acting normal. I'm like, put yourself in this situation. He's sitting there having dinner with Jesus, acting like everything is fine. His body was there. He was probably laughing and smiling at the jokes. But what Jesus knew is that you are here, but your heart is not. What's fascinating is, as I begin to think about this, I remember pushing my chair away from the desk and started thinking about this. Haven't all of us been in a moment where you're looking at someone and you can tell something's wrong? Like I can tell something, and sometimes you'll even ask, are you okay? And it's really frustrating when that person says back, yeah, I'm fine. You're like, no, 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 you're not fine. And maybe you don't say this, but you're thinking it. You're not fine. I can't put my finger on it, but something's not right. Are you with me? I can't put my finger on it. Sometimes it's, it's, it's for an evening. Sometimes it's an afternoon. Sometimes it's, it's at work. Sometimes it's your spouse or your kids. You can't put your finger on it, but you know something's wrong. It's, it's incredibly frustrating when this lasts a couple days. This lasts a couple weeks. Um, uh, it can last a few months. I remember growing up when my parents would get into a fight. They never got into a fight for 10 minutes. Ever, ever, ever. Now they get into a fight for 10 days. <laughs> and, and I remember just being a kid going, something's up. Like I can feel it in the air. Do you know what I'm saying? You can feel it. And sometimes it can go on for weeks. You can just tell something's wrong. And, and, and Jesus knew that something was wrong. Uh, your body is here, but your heart isn't. Even today, the Lord knows when somebody is physically at the right place, but their heart isn't. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, it says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He can tell your heart is far. I remember when I was in Bible college, I, I hit this rough patch. I guess I was about 20 years old. I hit this rough patch. I was just, just grumpy, and I, I just didn't want to pray. I didn't want to worship, and I could feel myself second-guessing everything about the church, and I was in the back of this uh, wedding. My buddy was getting married, and I hadn't prayed in a long time. I'm just going through the motions, um, memorizing scripture, taking the test, just moving, just going through the motions. And I was sitting in the back and months had gone by, being at the church, going to class, doing the internship, just going through the motions. I was sitting in the back and all of a sudden, not out loud, but just down here in my heart, I felt the Lord speak to me and tell me, I miss you. And I just started crying because he knew your body is with me but I don't have your heart anymore, and I miss you. Maybe some of you came this morning just to hear that one sentence, and the remainder of my sermon doesn't apply to you because you just needed to hear that the Lord misses you. He misses you, and he's, he's glad you're here this morning. If you're taking notes, when people change, stay the same. Just because they change doesn't mean you have to change. 
Just because Judas changed doesn't mean that Jesus had to change. He knew that Judas, something was wrong with Judas, and he continued, get this, to wash his feet. He continued to wash his feet. He continued to serve him. Just because other people change doesn't mean that you have to. Now get this. I feel that when somebody changes, when somebody starts being rude and somebody starts being an idiot, we want to one-up their idiotness. Are you with me? It's like, I see your jerk and I'm going to raise you for jerks. I don't know if I can, let me see if I can illustrate it this way. Uh, I grew up on the east side of Houston, went to North Shore High School. There was a fight every single day. If you didn't get into a fight every two weeks, when you show up, it's your turn. There's just a fight every day. Well, I wasn't a good fighter. I just was not a good fighter. And so my whole strategy when it came to fighting was to look like a crazy man. Okay, and that was my defense. And so if you came up to me and you pushed me, and you're acting crazy by pushing me. I'm going to see you're crazy, and I'm going to raise you five crazies. So I'll cross my eye and go, oh, oh, no. Oh, I know you did it. I know you did it. Hold up. Hold up. Somebody hold it. So I'm about to break an ear right now. I see you're crazy, and I'm going to raise you five crazies. And I'm hoping that when I look back at this person, they're going to be like, whoa, this guy's crazy. And then, like, the whole, we'll stop fighting. Like, this is going to be done. But, but the guys that are looking at me like, I'm like, oh, God, that was the best I had right there. I, I ain't got anything more than that. I'm in trouble. I got to keep yelling until a teacher comes or something. I'm in, I'm in trouble. Oftentimes, when somebody is being a jerk, somebody's being crazy, somebody's being rude, somebody is being distant, it's like, oh, you want to be distant? You don't want to talk? <laughs> I, I, I introduced distant. I invented distant. I will show you this. You don't want to talk to people? I don't want to talk. I, I don't even know how to talk. <laughs> You're not even there to me. You are dead to me. You want to ignore people? I, I got you. I got you. Oh, I got you. That's the game we're going to play? It's not a game to me. Checkers is a game. This ain't no game. <laughs> it's just hypothetical. I didn't ever... I've never actually thought that. It's just all, all hypothetical. But when people change, we can get caught up into it. Hey, this ain't fun. And then we lose all sense of joy. Our, 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 our compass that says that we are living a fulfilling life. That, man, life, not everything is perfect, but I, I feel fulfilled. That compass goes haywire. When we change just because they changed. We, we got to stay steady. Jesus, Jesus just stayed steady. Now what's interesting to me, as I begin to progress into the second point, is that he looks at Judas, or he looks at his disciples rather, and he says, someone here is going to betray me. And then he starts washing feet, and he starts serving out food. And then he brings it up again. He brings it up again. He says, I tell you the truth, someone is going to betray me. Now think about that. Whenever you read the Bible, don't get caught up in reading chapters and chapters and chapters. Just read a little bit and go, huh. Because here Jesus is saying, someone's going to betray me. Some time goes by and then he goes, guys, 
Someone's going to betray me. Have you ever come home from work or got off the phone with someone and it was not a pleasant experience and you look at somebody, you get home from work or you're talking to someone on the phone and you say, man, I'm really having a hard time right now. And they respond with, oh man, I got to tell you something. I forgot to tell you. So I was at the mall the other day and you're like, I don't think you heard what I just said. Have you ever been there? Like you just shared something significant. Like some, my, my, my father-in-law is, is fighting stage four cancer right now. And so Allie will say, hey, I talked to my dad today. Well, if I look back at her and say, I went to Luke's basketball game and it was awesome. She's like, I said, I talked to my dad today. Do you see, when people circle back around, what are they trying to say? They're saying, I want to talk about this. What, reveal, what is revealed in this passage is that Jesus is saying, I am, I'm not content not talking with you. Yes, I created stars. Pop, 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 pop. I made planets. <laughs> I created mountains. I made water. I, I, I did this, but I'm not okay not having a relationship with you. I want to talk with you. I'll, hey, somebody is going to betray me. He wants to talk with you. If, if you're still taking notes, and, and I hope you are, um, but would, you, would you write this down? That point number two is this. When people change, continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. Stay in prayer. Let me see if I can is, uh, illustrate this with a visual. Um, because so often when the Lord is saying, I want to talk with you, uh, he's looking for somebody who wants to talk back. Uh, I've got a, a, a present here. Um, and uh, presents crack me up because when you get a present for someone, you have to wrap it. Um, and, and if you don't wrap it, it's, it's kind of incomplete. Uh, I bought a watch for somebody recently. And um, I, I, I bought it. I had it shipped to me. And it was in a box when it was shipped to me. And I was like, I can't just give them the watch without wrapping it but I was already five minutes away from the restaurant so I swung into the mall I ran into Dillard's the first thing I saw when I got into Dillard's or I think it was Dillard's is there's this like makeup shop called uh, I'm a butcher it Sephora 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 so I walk up to Sephora and they got these girls with like they look like they're they're like a part of the army or something. They're like loaded with, with all these like artillery. Um, like every single paintbrush that you've ever seen your whole life is like right there in this like, they're like, and so they got this, this pouch. And, and so I, I said, hey, uh, I bought this watch <laughs> and I need a bag. Do you guys have bags? And she's like, you mean a Sephora bag? I'm like, yes. She's going, you're going to put the watch in a Sephora bag. Yes. 
I just need a bag. She's like, all right. I took the watch, stuck it, and I was like, thank you, I'm good. I walk up, my, I hand it to him, and he's like, you got me makeup. It's like, no, it was the only bag. This happened like last week. It was real embarrassing. You got a bag. I was like, I, I, I'm just supposed to have a bag. I didn't have a bag, so I put, the, put the, the watch in the bag. But what's interesting about wrapping, whether it's the, the it's, it's all camouflage. It's all camouflage. It doesn't matter what kind of bag it is. It's camouflage. It's covering up what's on the inside. And when you receive the present, it's like, huh, I wonder what's in there. And we kind of. You want to know what's in the bag. It, it's camouflage. And what's interesting is that we all have, we, we get impressed with people's wrapping. Someone shows up and, and, a, and they're wrapped up in a sweet car. It's like, wow, look at that wrap. Look at that car. You, you see someone's wrapping their house. It's like, that is the most gorgeous house. The way someone's dressed. It's like, that's their wrapping. Look at the dress. My goodness. And, of course, the ladies and shoes. Oh, girlfriend, those shoes are so, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You get impressed with people's wrapping. What's wonderful about the Lord is that he doesn't get impressed with the wrapping. He wants to know what is inside of there. And is there anything inside of there that wants to talk with me, too? I want to talk with you. Is there anything inside of you that wants to talk back to me? Because when he was sitting in the room with the disciples, nobody was interested in connecting with him. Um, I, I read about this, uh, this young boy, six years old, African-American uh, young man. Uh, I call him a young man, but he's just he's six. He's just a boy. He went to uh, this amusement park for the first time in his life, and, and the guy that was uh, running the Ferris, view, Ferris wheel was trying to get kids to come to the Ferris wheel to ride it. And so the way he was getting kids' attention was he was filling up balloons, and he was letting them go in the air. And, uh, and kids were coming because they were attracted by the balloons going in the air. But this little African-American boy saw that the guy, he filled up a, a blue balloon and he let it go and it, and it rose and it, it, it went up to the sky. Then he filled up a red balloon and it went up to the sky. Then it filled up a yellow balloon and that one went up to the sky. And, and the little boy looked at the guy and he said, what would happen if you had a, a, a brown balloon? And the guy looked back and he said, the, the color of the balloon doesn't matter. It's, it's what's inside of the balloon that matters. What's so interesting is that the wrapping, our car, our house, our clothes, the color of our skin, all of that is wrapping. What the Lord wants to know is, is there any interest, any interest at all of somebody that wants to communicate with me? I'm happy that you recognize that I created the world and made all the planets. But I want to connect with you. Now, let me just take a sidebar just for a moment. Because there's so many in this room that says, Yes, I want to talk to God. But here's the thing. I have trouble recognizing his voice. So we're going to take a sidebar. And I'm just going to plow through. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Four things that you know that this is the voice of God speaking to me. 
Are you guys ready? So the very first one that I'd like for you guys to write down, one of four, is intersecting thoughts. These thoughts are when you're not thinking, uh, when you're thinking about one thing in particular, and all of a sudden this thought comes out of the clear blue. I'll give you an example. I came onto this stage in December, end of December, and I was doing a mic check before the service. It was about 30, 45 minutes before the service. And I was in a really good mood uh, because I just came out of an annual business meeting with our business team. And uh, we had looked at all of our numbers and we saw that a whole bunch of people from Celebration Church uh, decided to become a faithful giver. And so we were strong financially. We looked at our attendance. We were up with our attendance. All of our departments, our children's ministry, youth ministry, they're all doing good. And so I came out of that meeting and I was in a good mood. I was thinking, man, we had a great year. And so I'm on this stage and I'm going testing, one, two, testing, testing, check, 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 testing. But I'm thinking to myself, man, it feels so good to be a part of a church that's doing so good. It feels so good to be, that's what I was thinking. I was in a great mood. Testing, one, two, testing, testing, one, two. And all of a sudden, like lightning speed, this thought crosses my mind. If you think this year was good, wait till you see next year. At that moment, I knew that was from the Lord. It's, if you're taking notes, write intersecting thoughts. And they're lightning fast. Now watch this. Hell will talk to you too. And so how do you know the difference between a thought from hell and a thought from God? How do you know the difference? How do you feel when you hear that thought? If the thought pulls you down and you go from, it is straight from hell. If it makes you anxious, if it makes you nervous, if it makes you scared, if it causes fear, fear is not in heaven. If it makes you full of fear, just know that came straight from hell. You got to remove and replace, remove and replace, because whatever thought you leave there will grow. It's a, it's a seed. Your, your, your thought is a seed. You think about it a little bit, you'll think about it a lot. If you think about it a lot, you'll think about it a whole lot. Are you with me? So when that thought crosses your mind, now here's the deal. It's always like lightning fast. Just hits your head. Now sometimes if, if it's more than a sentence, when you go to tell somebody what you think you felt from the Lord, it'll take you longer to say it than it did for you to receive it. Because God just just bad like that. Just, you know. Wow. That's number one, intersecting thoughts. Number two is messengers. So this morning, I, I, I could be a messenger for you. Um, if you're in the lobby and one of our greeters says something to you, and it's just the right thing at the right time, the right thing at the right time. Um, uh, I have this problem. Nobody come up to me and counsel me. I'm just going to be transparent for a second. Um, I have this problem. I'm very goal-orientated, very goal-orientated. And, and, and in my mind, if I'm not moving towards these goals quick enough, if I don't feel like the pace of my life is going quick enough, then I get really stressed out. I get down. I want to eat Bluebell all day. And I'm just like really written down because I, I don't like the pace of how things are going. And one day I was really down, um, and I just didn't like the pace. I, I just wanted the pace to be much better, much faster, much stronger. 
So I was down. I was borderline depressed. I wasn't borderline depressed. I was past four. I was really depressed. I was, <laughs> I was down. And um, I was talking with somebody in the parking lot. And he said, he goes, you know, Frankie, you've got a really blessed life. And I said, yeah, I do. You know, I'm just, yep, yep, yep. I said, yeah, I do. He goes, hey, enjoy it, man. Most people don't. I mean, it was like one lump or two, bing, bing. It was like I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is not a casual moment. This moment, I needed to hear that. Sometimes you'll be sitting in this room, and I'll be talking, and, and you can clearly see I leave my notes a lot, obviously, and, and I'll leave my notes, I'll say something, and you'll go, I don't know if you're planning on saying that or not, Frankie, but that was for me. Everybody else here, I, I don't know if it was anyone else, but it was for me. That was God. You'll forget the whole message. You'll forget the whole morning. Someone will say, what did Frankie talk about? And you'll say that one sentence. That one sentence. Sometimes it comes from a messenger. Sometimes it comes from the message. It comes from the Bible. The cool thing about God is if you ever want to know what he's thinking, just open up this bad boy up. Now here's the key. You have to read slowly because there's a rhema word and there's a logos word. Let me tell you what a logos word is. A logos word is describing God, describing a situation, telling you about a scene but it's not necessarily for you. I was reading about these two young girls in India. There was a huge crusade of a big church event, but there was a mud storm, um, mudslides and rain everywhere, and, and they couldn't get to the crusade. And so they stood on the side of this hill, and there was a bunch of water between them and the crusade, the church event. And the two girls looked at each other, and they said, well, Peter walked on water. So we're going to walk on water. It's in the Bible. Let's do it. They both drowned and died. That's a logos word. It's in the Bible. Okay? It's in the Bible. It's describing a scene. It's describing what God did for Peter. What you need to find is a rhema word. How do you know the difference between a rhema word and a logos word? It's when it jumps off the page and it's almost highlighted. Let me give you a, a quick example. When I was 19, I went into this huge depression because I started losing my hair. I, I mean, I look like Goldilocks except for black. I mean, it was like... I'm half Brazilian, half Italian. Can you imagine how many curls I had? It was like... I had dippity-doo, mousse. I had hairnet hairspray. Y'all know nothing about that. You know about hairnet hairspray? Have you ever sprayed your head with hair and that hairspray before anyone? It's like a cloud, right? And you step out of the cloud and you can look at the clouds. Are you with me? Hair and I used to put it in my head, fill up moose, put it, walk out. Start losing my hair, 19, bah, 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 I start going into this depression. I'm reading the Bible, and it's just like just a bunch of black ants on a page. Just red ants, black ants, red ants, black ants, red ants, black ants, red ants, black ants. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I just started crying. Because in Proverbs 3, verse 26, 
it says this, for the Lord will be your confidence. And I just started crying because that was a rhema word for me that was telling me, I'm going to make you incredibly confident, but it's going to be something far deeper inside of you than just curls on your head. Start crying. It'll come from the message. Sometimes I'll think, man, is this person... Is this person going to be mean to me? Is this person going to be angry with me? Watch this. Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Oh, man, that makes me feel good. Um, In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Sometimes I don't want to pray. I don't feel like it. And then I'll think of this verse. This is a rhema verse. It's not just any old. It's like, man, that's alive to me. It says this, God rewards those who diligently seek him. God's going to reward me if I seek him. Whether I feel like it or not, I want to seek you. That's a rhema word. It's just boom. So there's the message. And then the last one I want to say is peace. When my wife and I used to work at Lakewood, sometimes I'd go up to, um, and talk to Dodie Osteen, Joel's mom, and uh, I would just talk to her. And there was some decision that I was trying to make. I can't remember what it was. She leans across the desk, and she pats my hand, and she goes, just follow peace, baby. Just follow peace. I will never forget that, because sometimes when God speaks to you, it's the contrast of having peace versus not having peace. Let me show you. In Psalms chapter 85, verse 8, it says, I listen carefully to what what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace. To his faithful people, but let them not return to their foolish ways. When you're anxious, if, if you need to make a decision between this job and that job, or to leave or to stay or to go or to stop, if you feel anxious when you think about that option, but you feel relaxed when you think about this option, this is the Lord speaking to you through peace. Now, let me just share as I go into my third point. Judas stood up and walked out of the dinner. Now think about it when you have dinner. When you're at someone's house or you're in a restaurant and all of a sudden somebody stands up and walks out. Now, that's awkward to me. Is it awkward to you? I mean, it's just like you just stood up and walked out and it's just like, where'd he go? What's going on? What's going on here? And so I asked myself on the third point, What happens when someone disappoints you? Is you stay focused. Here's the thing. Jesus kept on doing what he was doing. What was he doing? He was surrounded with his life group, if you will. He had had 12 guys, and he shared life with them. One of them stood up and walked out. Well, that does not mean that Jesus walks out. Jesus just stayed steady and stayed consistent. It's it's hard to stay focused when somebody does something to you and you feel it. Let me say it this way. Between the ages of 17 and 21, I got fired at least 20 times. I've been fired from Chili's. I've been fired from Casolet. Anyone eat at Casolet? I've been fired from Wood Forest Bank. If you work at Wood Forest Bank, I'm in the database, I'm telling you. I, I worked one week and got fired and then showed back up for my check. Um, <laughs> you could, it, I've been fired so many times. And, and sometimes I'd be talking to my boss 
And I could feel that something was different because I've been down this road before, been fired so many times. You say, why did you get fired so much? They're real picky about showing up on time. It's the craziest thing. <laughs> They're crazy. <laughs> but anyway, sometimes I'm talking to my boss, and when, when, I, when you've been fired a whole bunch like me, I can remember talking to my boss going, something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. I, I, think, I, think, it's, I think I'm about to get fired. Listen to me. <laughs> when you've been hurt by somebody, somebody hurt you, somebody disappointed you. Maybe you got fired, someone in your family hurt you. You never, ever forget that feeling in your stomach. You never, ever forget it. And when it comes up, it's like this pit in your gut. You can feel it. And you begin to put up protective mechanisms right away. Because here's the thing. Many of you are just like me. You, you've hurt me once. And it about killed me. Nobody will ever do that to me. Ever again. And so you, you build it up. My parents have been remarried. Allie's parents have been remarried. Anytime I get ready to remarry a couple, I always say, look, I know you've been hurt before. Don't hold anything back because you don't want to get hurt like you were before. Don't walk down the aisle. Go and hold 97, give 97%, but hold back three. Don't hold anything back. And every time I say that, I can tell that I'm connecting to them because they will not let that happen again. You get bit by one dog, you're careful. It doesn't matter what kind of dog it is, you're careful. One dog just takes one. You feel that pain, you feel that disappointment, you feel that hurt, you get fired. Disappointment can cause us to all of a sudden shift into a different mode for the rest of our life. Whereas at one point in your life, you knew that God created you uniquely with an assignment on your life. But after you get hurt and after you get disappointed, it's no longer about the assignment on your life. Now it's survival and protection, survival and protection, survival and protection, protection and survival. The terrible thing about building up a protection wall to keep people from coming in is that you can't get out. So you're blocking your heart, but you can't share your heart. You know why you can't share your heart? Because people can tell when you're holding back. They can feel it. You can feel it, can't you? You can, you can tell when somebody is full of baloney. You can tell when somebody is just going through the motions. Every single one of you, you can come in here and in a nanosecond, you can look at me and go, you're full of it. In a nanosecond. You can tell if I'm full of it or not. You may not ever come back or not, but you can tell that I mean what I say and that I do what I say. You can tell. It bleeds out of me. You may not like it, 
But you can tell I'm all in this thing. You can tell just like that, just like that, just like that, just like that. But guess what? Other people can tell just like that too. And they can tell when you're holding back. They can tell when you're protecting. And when Jesus did, he goes, wow, you just, you just hurt me. But I'm not going to forget that I have an assignment on my life that is bigger than this situation that is hurting me. I've got an assignment on my life that is bigger than this moment. This moment is going to come and go. The question is, how will you be remembered when it's over? And are you closer or further from the Lord? So when people disappoint you, just in summary, stay the same. Don't let them change you. Don't let them change you. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And as a youth pastor, you see kids that are 12, 13, 14 years old. And I'd see them go into high school. And I'd pray to God, don't change, don't change, don't change, don't change, don't change, don't change, don't change. Your whole world is about to change. Don't change, don't change. And I remember seeing a girl that graduated high school and I saw her and her eyes were all lit up and I looked at her and I was like, you didn't change. Just because other people change doesn't mean you have to. When people change, stay in prayer. You just keep praying. And then last, when people change, stay focused. Your assignment is bigger and will last longer than your season that you're in right now.